Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, welcome to Crineland. My name's Julie J and I have a really quick favor to ask. Well, two really. First, if you could download this episode of Crineland, I would be eternally grateful as this is what counts towards charts. And also, if you have enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate if you could take the time to rate or review us on iTunes. A quick disclaimer as well that absolutely no disrespect is meant to any of the people discussed in this episode. Sources for this story today include Wikipedia, the independent newspaper and crimeandinvestigation.co.uk. This week, I'm talking to the wonderful, the hilarious, the supremely talented Aoife Dooley. About the death of Sally Ann Bowman. It's so nice to have you on, Aoife. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thanks so much, Julie. Thanks for having me on. You're very good. Come here. Are you into the true crime? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I'm delighted. It's great, isn't it? There is something as well, not to make it gendered, but I do find women, we are, as a species, we do kind of gravitate towards the true crime, I think, a bit more than the men. Yeah, I definitely find that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, definitely more than the fellas anyway, because I know, like, especially with me and my best friend, like, we are mad into it. And then, like, our, our boyfriends aren't that mad into it. They're like, oh, no, I couldn't be bothered. I'm definitely finding that's a trend. <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? Because even and then even if you trace it back, like I always think like Agatha Christie or Jessica Fletcher, Cagney and Lacey, any of these, like there seems to be a bit of a lineage like that women, historically speaking, have kind of been more into it than, than the guys. But yeah, no. Th- this, so this one today, you, I don't know if you've actually heard of it. Have you heard of the death of Sally Ann Bowman? Um, I don't know if I'm familiar with that one, though. It was about it took it took place maybe 15 years ago. So let so let me tell you about it. So. Uh, in 2005, Sally Ann Bowman was an 18-year-old girl living in Croydon in England. She had recently moved into her own flat, but was still very close to her mum and her three sisters. She was a model and singer and had attended the Brit School, which, of course, as we know, is a famous academy for young performers. Can you name any former students, Aoife? 
the Brit Academy, the Brit School? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Do you know who went there? Adele went there. Jesse J. They're the two I know. But like, it's kind of, I guess it's probably like a bigger equivalent of like the Billy Barrys would probably be the closest we'd have here, I would say. I get you. Do you, yeah. the, do you remember the old Billy Barry kids? They'd be I weaving do, them out for every late, late, late toy show. But I guess it was just that on a bigger scale. So it was kind of a place you'd go, I guess, if you wanted to do music or if you wanted to act or any of that crack. So she was accepted in there as a scholarship. She was obviously very, very talented. Uh, she was a model and a singer and had attended this Brit school, which, as we said, of course, was, you know, a very a place where a lot of famous people, you know, would have gone to school. She was working part time as a model and part time as a hairdresser. And she said that her biggest goal was to be on the cover of Vogue magazine. So she sounds driven. <laughs> Yeah, she was really ambitious, like for young girls. So she was, so she was eighteen, massively ambitious. And in January two thousand and five, she signed the model agency Pulse, which of course is one of the bigger modelling agencies. And she became the face of Swatch Watches. So she was doing really well. Yeah, that's amazing. Like so I early mean, yeah, in like her life. Like, oh my god. Yeah, like at eighteen. What an accomplishment. I mean, sure, I didn't have my shit together at all at eighteen. So she really was. Yeah, she was very driven. Oh, listen, neither did I. I was only like out of like me leaving Sarah at eighteen. Like, and she's like what, on an advert for Swatch, like yeah, literally like modeling yeah. for them. That's mad. And like Pulse and all that. I didn't like Pulse would be one of the bigger modeling agencies as well. So she was absolutely beautiful. It goes without saying, tall blonde like really kind of stunning kind of look so things were going really well for Sally in terms of her career and she was very happy as as we've already said she was a hugely ambitious young woman on September 24th 2005 which was a Saturday Sally received a call from her sister Nicole asking if she wanted to come on come, come on out come on a night out for a friend's birthday so it was a mutual friend and she was kind of having a bit of a lazy day. But then when the sister rang, she was like, yeah, absolutely. So she got all dressed up, went out with her mates and her sisters to Lloyd's Bar in Croydon. So Sally and her friends were in the bar until about one in the morning. And by all accounts, they had a great night. At about 1 a.m., Sally and her sister Nicole got a taxi home, having intended to set, stay at her sister Nicole's house. The whole time she was on the phone to her ex-boyfriend, Lewis, as they had only recently broken up, so there was still a lot of contact there. So they'd only broken up maybe a couple of weeks before. Jesus, like out, out on a night out on the phone now. I know it's one of oh. those, but you know, you know when it's still, you know, in I think early on in a breakup as well when it's still all drama. So it's just like you know the big long phone conversations, and you're gonna you're gonna be sending a few texts when you're drunk, that kind of thing. So this yeah, we've all been there, in fairness. <laughs> we've all been there, and you know what? If it wasn't for for, for Fred Cookie for Julie, like we'd still be there. Let me tell you that. So <laughs> yeah, so that that's the point that she was at with Lewis. So she'd asked Lewis to come pick her up in Croydon. Now I was trying to find details regarding this because I didn't really understand like what had actually happened. But they went. So Sally was in the she, she was in the taxi with her sister Nicole. They were on their way to Nicole's house. And then when I read, I think it was in the Independent that I read it. So she'd asked Lewis to come and pick her up in Croydon because her older sister Nicole had been done for fighting. So she'd been charged with fighting and had no way home. So I'm a little bit confused as to what exactly happened there. Um, but some drama with the sister happened anyway, and she couldn't stay basically in her sister's house. So she rang mm. the ex-boyfriend. I know. I was like, what exactly happened there? But anyway, so she rang the ex-boyfriend. was like, listen, I can't stay in Nicole's. 
uh, could you give me a lift home? So Sally got a taxi from Nicole's house back into Croydon and then Lewis came and picked her up and drove Sally back to her own house. So, yeah, so I mean, like, fairly, <laughs> fairly sound to Lewis, to be honest as well, because obviously all this is taking place like really late at night. And he said, yeah, OK, he came in, picked her up. But obviously the second she got in the car, as you can imagine, because there was a lot of drink involved, it was late at night. Uh, they just were arguing the whole time in the car. So when they reached Sally's house, uh, which was in Blindham Crescent, I'm probably saying that wrong, but that was the name of her estate. Um, they stayed in the car rowing for an hour and a half outside her house. And then Lewis <sighs> drove away at 4 a.m. So, yeah, it was fairly like a heated argument, really. Yeah, an hour and a half. Like, that's that's a long one, in like fairness. 90 minutes. And, like, Lewis, oh, Lewis was be sober able. as well. So, do you know when you're, like, as in engaged in this kind of, like, row that just is probably, you know, felt like it was going on forever. But it was very much like her mother did say that, like, you know, that it was young love as well. So, like, they had broken up. But I think especially when you're younger, you know, the way you'd often break up with people and you get back together with them. So it's like yeah. you haven't really broken up. So they were saying like, oh, like they were mad about each other. Like a lot of people said they were kind of like the posh and becks of Surrey. So it was real like young <laughs> love. So, you know, like, you know, even though they'd broken up, like they were probably, you know, wouldn't have been surprised if they got back together. So Lewis drove off at 4 a.m. They'd had the big row. And then two and a half late, hours later, a neighbour a neighbour of Sally Ann's had come out uh, of her apartment. So like Sally Ann lived in this uh, th- this apartment building. A neighbour had come out at half past six and she saw what she thought was like a mannequin by the bin lying on the ground. And of course, she went over and found the body of poor Sally Ann, who had been murdered just a few metres from her home. Oh. So, yes. So her body was half undressed and covered in blood. So clearly it was a murder. So Sally's mother was then visited that morning by police officers who informed her that her daughter had been stabbed to death. Quickly, police identified the first suspect, of course, which was, who would you think was the first person they looked at? Oh, I think it was the fella. Or or sister. Well, yeah. The fella or the sister. Yeah, so they're going to presume. So they said, look, the first person they looked at was the ex-boyfriend. So they found him in the pub that afternoon with some of his mates. And they said something to the, so he said something to the effect. So they just introduced themselves as police officers. And before they'd even, they'd even mentioned anything about Sally, he said something to the effect, is this because myself and Sally were arguing last night? So straight away, the police were like, we've got our guy, because obviously this was enough suspicion to arrest him then and there. Yeah, they must have been screaming at each other in the car then if he thought like something like yeah, that. But the fact I that he just let that slip as well, it kind of makes me I think know. the same. Like, yeah, I because then I was kind of worried. I was like, you know, like how bad was this fight? But I thought I was thinking then after I read that, I was like, I suppose in his defense, like maybe he thought maybe a neighbor had complained or something. Generally, if you were like arguing for that length of time, maybe yeah, exactly. An apartment back. So because initially I was like, God, you know, the fight must have been very bad. But then I thought, OK, maybe he was thinking somebody else complained to him. Um, but obviously him saying that like straight away, it put him at the scene of the murder and also like around the time of the murder as well. So the police arrested him on the spot. And then when he was arrested, obviously poor old Lewis hadn't yet been told that Sally was dead. So when he was told he had been charged with murder, 
that's actually how he found out that Sally was dead. And obviously he was completely devastated. Yeah, I think they probably could have told, like, from what, you know, if he didn't know and they just went into the, like, you know, to basically interrogate him and then he only found out there and then, like, that would be pretty telling that if, he, yeah. if he'd done it wrong as well. Yeah, Unless, like, I mean... Yeah, because, you know, like, with, like, psychopaths and all, like, they can't really kind of, like, show any emotion. Like, they try to do it, like, with their words and what they say, but, like, do you ever see them when they try that, to cry? Yeah. They, don't, they, don't, they don't actually cry, like, And it's, so, like, fake yeah. tears kind of Yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah, I think, because you see that with, like, you know, like, sociopaths like Ted Bundy and stuff, and they seem, like, totally incapable of actually exhibiting any form of real human emotion. But then, like, they do say, like, you know, say, like, Lewis now obviously being in bits about this, I would think as a human being, you'd probably think as well, okay, well, like that might suggest now that the man is innocent because he does seem really upset. But then I suppose the flip side is, is that then sometimes they say if somebody is like, you know, if somebody's really upset, it can sometimes be an act. Like they want to put you off in the other direction, like that they're going a bit over the top with it. But personally, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's hard to know, but like, Look, he was obviously like in bits about this and they brought him down to the station. Um, He had been charged with uh, murder. So he was questioned for four days. So the English system, I think, is a bit different than Ireland in terms of like holding people and stuff. So he was actually held for four days. And during this time, of course, the DNA was tested. When the DNA came back, they did have a match. But it wasn't to Lewis, but rather to someone who had committed an unsolved sexual crime four years previously. So they released Lewis, but they did actually have a DNA match now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like poor old Lewis had been there for the four days. They let him go. And like they said, okay, we have this link now to another crime. So the previous the, the previous crime was actually a bit of a strange one. So it was essentially a woman was in a phone box making a call. And then a man had stormed into the phone box and like ejaculated, like just came all over the floor of the phone box. This was the crime, like really weird one. Oh my God, that is yeah. just like, that's disgusting. Like that's like so right up in your space. Like I don't even know what the equivalent would that, of that would be today because like obviously we don't use phone boxes now. So yeah. what would be a tight space like that now? Just so you know, really get sense. Like, I, mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess like a cubicle, a toilet cubicle, would be about the same space. It'd be even, it'd be even smaller than that, though. It'd probably like be half, even half a toilet. Yeah, probably half well, a toilet. I mean, that's rotten. Really rotten. And obviously, you can imagine like somebody just so like he stormed in basically like with his lad in his hand, came all over the floor. Like the poor woman was like, oh in my this, god, and he just ran away. Like me, just really crazy. Like obviously. You know, that went beyond like something like indecent exposure, because as you say, like it was, you know, you'd be right up in the poor woman's like personal space. So just a really obviously upsetting experience. But because like because the fucking Egypt had like come all over the floor of the phone box, the police came down and they had loads of DNA. It was like DNA City because like obviously it was all there. So they had a sample from that time. And then two days later, so after, this is like six days after poor Sally had died. So it was two days later after Sally's autopsy. The police went to her family and had informed them that she had been killed in her own driveway, which means that the killer, this is what they were thinking at the time, had probably been watching her. So she'd been stabbed seven times. And then, which is obviously very upsetting, like for her family to hear, she also had many bite marks, which is how they could test for DNA. Oh my god! Like, what? 
Just... Yeah, really bad. But like, uh, like it, obviously really awful. But I suppose from solving the crime's point of view, like it just meant that they had really, really strong DNA as well. And then horrifically, which obviously a bit of, bit of a trigger warning because this, you know, was really horrendous. She'd also been sexually assaulted after her death. So they could establish that from the autopsy as well. Um, so obviously her poor family, like her mom and her sisters, were in bits about it. And then a couple of days later, so another attack from the night of Sally's murder. It, sound, it sounds kind of like as well, it sounds kind of like as well that like he, he didn't whoever it was they didn't care that if they were going to get caught or not because like with bite marks and stuff like yeah, you, you well, know you what I mean like yeah it's it's, it's you would it sound, think that, that sounds like. That sounds like they're even like more dangerous because they don't even care if they they're gonna get caught. Like you know, when you think about it that way, that's like yeah. You know what? Like that is actually so true, Eva, because it's it's so it's almost like arrogant, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's as, it's, yeah. it's it's like pretentious. Like thinking I can get away with anything. Like I don't care what I do. Like that's us. Yeah, that's yeah. the kind of vibe. No, I'm it is. Uh, yeah, but you know what? I it is. It's definitely someone who is just being reckless. Obviously, it goes out saying, like, doesn't give a shit, but, like, is almost, as you say, like, arrogant with it that, you know, that they maybe feel like they're not even going to get caught. Like, because obviously with bite marks, it's just so easy to get a DNA sample from that, that, as you say, like, it's just somebody who is is just bordering on even reckless when it comes to it. But he, yeah, so he, he wasn't even trying to cover his tracks. Like, you're right. Um, so obviously the poor her poor family were in bits, but a couple of a, a couple of days later, what did help the police and obviously by extension the family in terms of like you know finding some kind of I guess some kind of inkling as to who this could be, a couple of days later an attack had been reported that had occurred the same night of Sally's murder. So it was actually just a few minutes before Sally's attack. A woman had been standing on the street on the phone when she was approached by a man who said, I'm sorry, and then proceeded to physically attack her. So an approaching taxi had uh, disturbed the man who then ran off with the victim's phone, who was still on her call the whole time. So thank God this taxi came along with the headlights, obviously freaked your man out and he ran off. But terrifyingly, because the, the phone call obviously then they had like the, the 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 call was still active. So the person on the other yeah. end of the phone could he- hear the whole thing. So terrifyingly, the screams of the victim did not get any quieter, which police said suggested that the perpetrator had hid very close to her. But luckily, the taxi driver stopped. Um, obviously, just to check, was the poor woman okay? He'd seen this altercation. He drove the victim to the police station where she gave a description and they compiled like a, a composite of him. And then because this had occurred near Sally's home, they presumed. So what they basically thought was the police straight away were like, OK, this w- could easily be the same guy because like this is happening. Obviously, it's a guy who's trying to attack a woman. He's been disturbed. It's not too far away from where like Sally was murdered. Yeah. So straight away, the police were like, OK, this is probably the same guy because, you know, Thankfully, you know, most men are decent people. So they were like, what are the odds that, you know, that we would have a basically a violent predator, two violent predators attacking women within the space of 10 minutes? Highly unlikely. So they were like, look, it's probably the same guy. So basically, they kind of said to themselves, OK, 
because these two incidents happened so close to each other, they thought at that time they were like, okay, the attacker probably doesn't live too far away. The attacker probably lives in the area. So what they did was they set up a DNA. It was very well publicized at the time. So they got a good bit of kind of media interest and stuff just to kind of spread the word in this. But they set up a DNA screening center. So the whole purpose of this was that they were looking for like essentially like roughly about 4,000 men in the local area would have kind of matched the victim's description in terms of like race, age and build. So they said, look, we'll set up this centre and basically it was supposed to be a place that local men could drop in for like a voluntary screening to give their DNA. So the police were kind of hoping that they could narrow, narrow it down, not obviously on the basis, like they weren't presuming that the murderer would come in and offer his DNA. But they were like, we can actually kind of narrow it down based on the men who haven't come forward. Yeah, that's mad, actually. And I wonder, yeah. do you know, like, you know, the way they do it now as well. It's a, it's a basically if you have your DNA, um, basically they can look into it. Like, just say, just, just say you actually haven't got a DNA test and like one of your cousins is a DNA test and like you're a serial killer. Like, they can trace it back to you now that way as well. So I wonder yes. if it's kind of, yeah, is it kind of... Do you know what? Thank you so much for saying that, Aoife, because that was another thing they had actually said, which I forgot because I, I read it somewhere and I actually didn't write it into this kind of narrative that I wrote up here. Yeah, I probably said do... that ways, but you know what I mean? No, like, no, basically, no, they, is, they tested is... against you. Yeah. Yes, they said that actually, and you're spot on, that like they were uh, hoping that either would narrow it down through the men who hadn't come forward or what they were really hoping for as well was, of course, if they got a relative, that it would point them in the direction of the killer. So, yeah, so and I think to be fair, like it's something that like at the time it was seen as, you know, kind of, I suppose, you know, they were people were kind of praising the police for kind of taking a bit of initiative with this that they were like, look, this could be a way that we could get him. Um, but unfortunately, it led to absolutely no leads whatsoever. Oh, no, I thought I would have yeah. led to something like. Yeah, I mean, like, it's mad when you think, like, I suppose with this and you can see why the police were so frustrated because obviously they had a DNA sample. They had links to other crimes. They had like, I mean, they had like a sketch of this man and still they didn't have anything. Yeah, it's it's mad. I mean, it was really, yeah, really frustrating, like certainly for the police. And to be fair, like, you know, at the time, like the police would have been like that the family were very, you know, complimentary with the police and like that they were really trying everything they could to like get this guy because obviously like he was a huge threat as well to women, like clearly, um, like he was a serial offender. But look, it's six Absolutely. months later. Yeah. So six months later, they still had no inclination who this could be even though as I said they had his DNA links to other crimes and they had the picture of him well the sketch obviously but you know like a rough idea of what he looked like Still it's mad nothing. how they hadn't found him with all that kind of you know evidence that they had like it's just it's that's yeah, crazy because it was a it was a problem bite marks as well like yeah. you think that would be in like the first one like a dentist could have been a, if you have like an x-ray or something a dentist probably that's be able to tell true, or, do you know actually. what I mean like that's yeah I think I that's think... how they do it. Like they get like someone to kind of because you can you can tell by someone's uh, teeth who they wear apparently or so. You can. I think that's a thing, isn't it? But yeah, I wonder. So. I think sometimes with the bite marks is that like I wonder how much of like an overall like kind of mouth you'd have to in terms of like the bite itself you'd probably want to have like a lot of the teeth to actually maybe identify the person via the dentals. I'd say as well maybe or I think it's either that or you have an original tooth. Yeah, it's, maybe yeah, it's you can a, identify it that way. 
Yeah, it, it's it's a weird one. I'm not really too sure how it works. Dentists, but, uh, yeah, it's... get in touch. That's what I'm asking. Please, because I always say these things and then I yeah, get an irate well. messages, message from someone saying absolutely not. But please, I'm asking you, get in touch because I don't have a clue. Aoife, I presume you have limited dental educate, education as well, the same oh, yeah. as myself. I, I'm the same. I want to know yeah. as well, because if it's like, if someone bites at like a different angle or something, then how can you tell? You know that kind of way? Like, it's yeah. not like... So all those kind of, I wonder how they figure it out. Like it's we, really yeah, actually. it's but yeah. it, it but try. Well, I love all this forensic crack. Like I absolutely love it in terms of like you know getting the clues and putting it all together. So it is. It's massively interesting that the the dentals like do like they they make such a difference in terms of actually identifying people. It's huge. So in March of 2006, which is six months after poor Sally Ann had died, police decided to release this composite sketch of the man who had attacked the woman in the phone box four years earlier. They obviously had already released the sketch compiled based on the description given by the woman who'd been attacked on the phone the night of Sally's murder. And even though they thought it was the same man who had attacked the lady on the phone, they still thought it was worth putting the other sketch out there in case the previous sketch bore more of a resemblance to what the guy actually looked like now. Um, So they also went public as well about some of the gruesome details of Sally's murder because their attitude was at that point, look, you know, if somebody's sitting on a lead or trying to protect someone, like maybe they might come forward if they realise just how like violent and awful this poor girl's death had been. Yeah. But still no progression, no leads whatsoever, like absolutely nothing to go on. So then in June, which obviously would have been, you know, a couple of months after that, a seemingly unrelated event happened happened. So a 35-year-old man called Mark Dixley had gotten into a fight after a World Cup match and taken to a police station in Crawley, which is about maybe 30-minute drive from Croydon. Okay. Uh, So he got taken to the police station and when his name was entered into the system, they saw that he had a long list of convictions from the age of 16, including burglary, assault, indecent exposure, indecent assault, and had been deported from Australia where he had lived for six years having been done for indecent exposure there. Okay, so yeah, that matches up. Straight away, we're not liking Mark. Like, So the, the police started to question him and described him as very emotional and teary, which the police thought was a bit odd, given that like, basically he'd just been involved, involved in a bit of a football brawl in the pub. Um, but he was an emotional wreck. So 12 days later, when they entered his DNA into the system, it was flagged as a match to, do you want to take a guess? To the phone box? The, yeah, well, the DNA on Sally Ann's body, yes. The phone it's, box it's, it's, it's all linked up. Like. Yeah. So, the, so the phone box and Sally Ann's body, it came up, perfect match, uh, which explained why he'd been emotional during his police interview. At this stage, though, because obviously this is 12 days later, and you'd wonder, oh, my God, like, I mean, obviously they didn't realise who they were dealing with, but, like, it's so frustrating that it took them 12 days to actually test the DNA. But no, he was out and about there. Like, he could have yeah. like, done it to so many more people. Like, Well, yeah, it's just, it's. It, I guess, I mean, I suppose they didn't realise, like, just kind of what kind of person they were dealing with. But at the same time, like, it's nearly two weeks. So during that time, he had fled to Amsterdam, which seems to be the place that everyone flees to. Yeah, it's like usually like Amsterdam or Spain or something, isn't it? Like, 
It's Spain, called, yeah. it's another Spain good one. Said, yeah, yeah. yeah, Spain. Like the Irish gangsters love a bit of Spain. Is Spain a really good one though? Because like everyone goes to Spain on their holidays. Like everyone goes to Amsterdam too. But you know what I mean? I, everyone I goes to Spain. I often thought that. Do you know what? I often thought that because actually... <laughs> you're not I'm really hiding than... from anyone really then, are you? Because everyone goes on holidays to Spain. Like, but you're, unless you're up on the mountains, the I don't know. on the Costa del Sol when they go over for their two weeks in August. Like I, But you know on more than one occasion... Uh, like uh, quite often Irish gangsters are identified in Spain because of exactly that reason. Like people going on their holly bobs and they're like, sorry, is that not the penguin? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ever- is that your man? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, even though the penguin was your man from Batman, wasn't he? I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, oh but who was the one? Who was the guy? The general, the general I'm thinking of, not the penguin. But you know the way like they always identify them on their hollybobs. They're like, I think it's the general, but he's wearing shorts. Like, could it be? Um, so yeah, so it's either Amsterdam or Spain tends to be tends to be the tends to be the the place that they go to flee. Um, I'd, I'd so... go somewhere mad. I'd go somewhere mad where no one would find me. <laughs> I wouldn't be going to Spain or like to Amsterdam. Like, where places, would you like... go, Aoife? Just say it now so we know where to find it when you commit, commit a serious crime. I, I don't know, like French Polynesia or something. Somewhere like that. I don't know. <laughs> somewhere like random in the middle of the sea. Where there's like four what? people I'd living around. I'd say with your magnificent, with your magnificent green hair, they wouldn't be long finding you in French Polynesia either. Oh yeah, that's well. Actually, no. Like, well, my hair would like blend in technically to like the you know the scenery around me. So like camouflage. Yeah, we're all campaigning that you need to keep the green for life because it's so amazing on you, honestly. So, oh my god, it, I'm definitely keeping it for life I because it. I can't imagine it any other color now. It's yeah, it's actually are... red. It was the colour that you were born to have. I say that. You were a natural green hair. Like, honestly, you really are. So, look, this fella went off to Amsterdam, uh, where he remained undetected for three months. He returned to the UK of his own volition. So the really frustrating thing and the thing I don't understand, because, you know, it's not like, as we said, like Amsterdam. I mean, I know it's a different country, but obviously at this stage, everyone's in the EU at this point. This is pre-Brexit. Like he's used a yeah. passport to get to Amsterdam. I mean, you'd wonder how hard is it to find him really? But anyway, three months went by and they hadn't found him. And he came back to the UK only because, like basically because he just wanted to, because he'd had a he's round so landlord. Yeah, really brazen. Actually, that's a great word. Yeah. So really brazen, had had a row with the landlord and he came back and this is even more brazen. He basically just went back to his old life. So he went back to Crawley, where he lived. He got his old job back. He returned to his hometown. So just really arrogant move on his behalf. Obviously, he would have known that's like, he, you know, that presumably is why he was so emotional in the interview. He obviously would have known, OK, the jig is up. Like, they're going to find my DNA on that woman's body. And still, like three months passed, and he must have thought, okay, well, I've obviously gotten away with it, and basically just went back to his own life. I can't believe, like, I just, oh, I just can't believe that. It's just bizarre. It really is. Re- yeah, really, like the really fact bizarre. That, like, like the fact that, like, he was so sloppy as well, and has still gotten away with it for that long, like, and then he just goes Re- back to his yeah. own life, going, "Oh, things are fine now." That's just really, oh, really crazy. sloppy. Yeah, really sloppy is right. Like, because obviously made no effort to, you know, kind of disguise the crime or anything. No, um, I didn't and even, care. even the, like even the fact that Port Sally was like. 
she was in her driveway. It's, it's not even like he tried to get rid of the body or anything. He was just, as you say, like really brazen from the outset. Yeah. And then when police found out he was home, they went to the pub where he worked as what worked as a chef. And you know the way you're like, oh God, I always feel with chefs, if there's one person you'd be wary of in a pub or a restaurant setting, I'm always a bit wary of the chef, having been a waitress for a long time. Um, so they're often a little bit mad, but this guy kind of, you know, went beyond the, way beyond the norm. So the officers stood outside in the car park trying to come up with a plan to get him out of his kitchen because obviously they didn't want to confront him in the kitchen where there would have been all these knives and potential weapons that he could use. So yeah. in a moment of fortitude, Mark Dixley, at that very moment when they were saying, how do we get, out, get him out of the kitchen? They were kind of eyeing up like, you know, all the different exits and stuff. He just stepped outside for a cigarette, stood right in front of them. So the police approached him, arrested him, obviously, on the spot. And one police officer actually said that when he grabbed him across the chest, Mark Dixley's heartbeat didn't even change. Like he was that calm about it all. They were completely floored. What? He must have been yeah. some psychopath then that he didn't even... Because, of course, like your heart rate would go up like in, in that kind of situation. Like, so Imagine, how would you just be so yeah. calm? That's mad. Yeah. So he didn't even, like, not... Like, the police officer was like, it was just bizarre. Like, his, his body language, everything, he was just completely normal. So that evening, they went to Sally Ann's family and they told them that they had arrested the man who had killed Sally Ann. They produced a photo of him and the family confirmed that they'd never seen Mark Dixley before. The day that he had killed Sally, it had actually been Mark's birthday. So he had been out drinking and had consumed cocaine, but his friends insisted that this was just a regular night out for him and he wasn't acting out of character acting out of control he apparently was one of those people which I think is a bit of a red flag anyway who insisted people make basically that everyone made a massive deal out of his birthday so you know that he was a bit of an egomaniac he just mm. insisted he was like look if it's my birthday I want everyone out like put a lot of pressure on the mates and stuff to come out and his girlfriend hadn't been with the friends that night so she wasn't out with them and he'd actually called her at a certain point and friends had recounted that when he had come back from the phone call that something had changed with him. And suddenly he was really pissed off and he was just kind of in a different mood. So at closing time, he had left with two female friends. There was a big gang of them. He'd left with two girls and the three of them went to one of the friends' homes. So they he was supposed to sleep on the sofa. The two girls were going to sleep in the bedroom. He got yeah. up at 3.30 a.m., and decided he wanted to go for a walk. But before he went for the walk, he had left with a knife. So he went to the kitchen, wait, got wait, a wait. knife. So he got up the way he said that. So at 3.30 a.m. he decided to go for a walk and then he decided to get a knife. Like, yeah, you, do you know like, what I mean? He, he's up to something. Like, why would you, like, yeah. I'm just going to so decide to go for questions. a walk. Imagine if you left your mate on the sofa and he comes in and is like, can I just ask where you keep the bread knives? I just fancy a walk. Like, straight away, you're like, this is not adding up. What would so, you do in that situation? I wouldn't even know what to do if someone turned around well, and said that to me in my house. I'd be like, um, I, I just tell them they're somewhere different. And well, then, you see, I don't know what to do. It's funny, especially because, like, I don't like, have bread friends, knives. 
<laughs> do you not have a oh I know do you know what no I, I was pray. just saying that as in they're too dangerous that's what I'd say to oh, someone if they say, said that to oh, me sorry I'm <laughs> you, say, you don't have but red knives <laughs> it's been a, it's been a long day in the heat Aoife okay it's been a long day in the heat I'm like you don't have bread knives I'm like Aoife do you not trust yourself what's going on <laughs> um no I was gonna say well with the two female mates like especially because they were female the friends like you know like they were obviously in a really vulnerable position as well themselves like because they this guy was just a predator through and through but he, exactly like, like. The, the, the two girls were asleep and so basically he had snuck off like when they were asleep and at the time they clearly like didn't know you know anything about this but his first victim was going to be the woman on the phone but of course the taxi had disturbed him and that had made him run to where Sally lived so this was where he had seen Sally and Lewis had been fighting in the car and where he had decided to wait for her to exit the vehicle. So he obviously had been watching them and said, OK, I'll wait until he's gone and then I'll attack her. So just literally to say like every worst, every woman's worst nightmare, like doesn't even cover it. Um, so what he didn't know was that there had actually been a neighbour who had watched the whole thing. Now, it was too dark to identify the man, but she could recount in court the length of the attack and the time. So this worked really well for the prosecutor to kind of, I guess, oh work God, against. Imagine, yeah, imagine looking at your window and just seeing that. And then like, because you'd have to watch to see what happened because you're a witness. Like, oh, then, like, then, like, was, yeah, and I was you'd have to be like, yeah. Yeah, you'd be trauma like majorly. But I was kind of wondering why, I know it's easy to say, but why they didn't contact the police at that moment. I say they were shocked, like, uh, you know. Like, Maybe you wouldn't know what you're watching. Maybe you wouldn't be sure or something. Well, yeah, if, if you thought something dodgy was going, like, I remember, like, once, like, across from my nana's road, someone was trying to break into the house across the road, and I was only going in to close the blinds, like, and it gave me a fright, you know what I mean? Because you're not expecting to see it, so I can only imagine what someone would be like if they seen something like that. Like, and and would she, did you ring the cards that time? Oh, yeah, I did, yeah. I rang yeah. them, like, a few like a few minutes later, because I was watching them to see what they were doing, do you know that kind of way? Like, to see yeah, if they, you, you know that way? wouldn't be sure even what's going on. Like, I guess, and we're totally, obviously, it goes without saying, like, I'm not placing any blame at the neighbour's door, because maybe they didn't really know what they were seeing. Yeah, but it yeah. worked well, because it did kind of, I guess, negate, like, some of the things that he, then, his defence team came up with in court, because then the prosecutor just produced, like, this witness who was like, oh, well, no, like, I saw the attack, and... That, you know, this is how long yeah. like kind of went on for and the time and all that. So obviously after this horrendous murder, he had then gone back to his friend's house where he was supposed to be asleep on the sofa and the next morning basically acted like nothing had happened. That's just mad. I don't know how yeah. we can do stuff like that and just pretend well, like nothing. Yeah, like obviously, if, you know, whether he was a psychopath or sociopath or whatever, but he obviously had... I mean, we're talking like a serious, like he he just had a lot of problems as a human being if he could behave like this. So when the trial commenced, his defense was very strange. So he just insisted he had not killed Sally. So this is a really weird one. This is what he came up with and his defense team were happy to roll with this in court. So he insisted that he hadn't actually killed her, that someone else had, but he rather had come. So he was had gone on a walk and encountered her in her driveway and presumed her just to be unconscious from drinking too much. And that was when he had sexually assaulted her. That's... 
So obviously the jury weren't buying this for a second. I mean, Sally's body had been covered in blood. There's no way that she could have led him that they, that, that, you know, that could have, there's no way, you know, that anything could have led him to believe that she was just after drinking too much. She was obviously dead or dying. And he's never admitted to murdering Sally. And he was sentenced to a minimum of 34 years. That's so mad. He, he should have got like so much longer. Like, but like, did they find the yeah, knife on him then? Like, I mean, and all like when he was out. Like, did, did they find the thing? Find... So they they never. So they didn't actually find the murder weapon, but they did obviously have the DNA linking him to the crime. And I mean, it was just you know, it was obviously like. Yeah, they had him any. They had him anyway. Yeah. Like, but yeah, yeah, if they had have had that, so, I wonder if I know because you know... I I was thinking thirty four years as well. I mean, I guess like no more than in Ireland, like you know, life in Ireland doesn't mean obviously in the states and stuff it's different. Life is life, but like, I guess maybe in the common law systems, I don't know about all of them, but certainly in Ireland and maybe in England as well. But on that basis, I would say in England as well that like life isn't necessarily life because he did. Obviously, you know, he was 35 when he was done for this. So, like, 34, like, he'd be out at 69. I know it's not young, young, but, like, you'd still have some years left. But they have said that, you know, basically they don't think he'll ever get out because, obviously, he's such a threat. But I'd wonder how they'd enforce that, though. Yeah, like, you've heard, like, people like this, like, happening before, like, where basically people have, like, been... You just got like a crap sentence basically, and then they get let out, and then they do something similar yeah. again. Like, and like I, think, I honestly think if you do something like that, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like, I think if you're in any way a threat or have done something like that, like, I think that you should be just away for life. Like, yeah, yeah, do you know well, I mean? abso- and absolutely, like, with the likes of this fella, because he was a serial offender and all that. And like, actually, after the trial, English police got into a touch with Australian police to see if they could match his DNA to any other crimes, and it was found that. He had committed a similar attack when he was in Perth. So he had robbed a woman's house, attacked her and raped her. Thankfully, she had survived, but they could never find him. And then despite the DNA match, he's never actually been charged with this crime. But that's probably because of the length of his sentence in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. So though it's a, it's a said, different um, different country as well. Like so he yeah, wouldn't have been, like, yeah. yeah. And I think because he got such a lengthy and obviously completely justified like lengthy sentence and probably should have even been longer in the UK. But I think on that basis that's why they didn't kind of go through the whole trial process um in terms of the Australian crime. But so though he's as we said, he's only been charged only been sentenced uh, to thirty four years, given the threat that he poses to women, it is highly unlikely hopefully anyway that he will ever be released to the general public and that is the story of the death of sally ann bowman that is mad i like, know I, I don't, I'm, actually, I'm actually just speechless there because i just i can't believe how long he got away with it for though and like I it's know. not even like it's not even like it's really that long ago 15 years ago you said wasn't yeah. it? yeah yeah 15 like, years ago that's not that long ago like i just i'm just like amazed at how someone got away with doing something like yeah. that for so long so he like does it's, have he's served 14 years so he does have 20 years left in prison yeah that's but, what I was going to say yeah so like you know he does have two decades left but like obviously really really just awful human being and then you do wonder as well like if he hadn't been so arrogant to come back and like go back to Crawley and go back to his old job like he didn't even change the pub that he worked in like you wonder would they have ever caught him I say they wouldn't have caught him other than like, you know, one of his relatives like doing a DNA test and like, you know, on one of the, yeah. the, the those sites. I'd say yeah, that's the only way I can I I'd say he would have got like, you know, he just he just see yeah, he and the thing with with him in particular, and you do see it a bit, but like 
he he just kept slipping through the cracks that really it was just it was really just a kind of a twist of luck that he as I said was so arrogant that he was like you know what three months nobody's come looking for me I'm gonna go back to Crawley and go back to my old job and go and live in my old hometown again like otherwise I mean you know otherwise maybe they never would have solved it Oh, thank God they, they, like these yeah. types of people do get caught because you can only imagine, like, oh, God, it's just so many of them. Like, it's just... I know, it's terrible. And so sad for her family as well. You know, really awful. But at least, you know, they did Absolutely. get him in the end. And hopefully he won't get out ever, hopefully. I don't, I don't think he should get out at all. Like, she was, like, she had, like, everything going for her. Like, she was so, like, career-driven. And she, you know what I mean? Like, it's... I don't yeah, think, like, yeah. I think 20, 20 more years is nothing when you think about it. Like, it's, it's well, not really. Well, getting out at 69 doesn't, you know, yeah, really, but, uh, people need to, people need to kind of, if you commit a crime like that, you kind of just need to never just, get out. I don't think so either. And like 69 is kind of, like, it's that's still young now, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's, well, it is. Yeah, people yeah. are living until, like, people are living until they're, like, 90 to 100 now, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. Well, if that was the case, then... As you say, like, 69 is still young. And I think as well, because he hasn't expressed any remorse, like, the fact that he came out with that bullshit in court that he didn't... Like, imagine coming up with that. Oh, I didn't actually kill her. I oh, just, just found her and she'd already been killed. I mean... It's, yeah, it's... Uh, do you ever find as well, like, when you're watching those like, documentaries about these types of people, like, the way that they talk about things, they don't even blink. Like, it's just... They're like yeah. robots almost. Like, it's just... yeah. And so, the fact, um, you, it's so you, interesting to watch people like that though because it's I don't it understand is, it like it's just, it is interesting yeah because it's it's so it's it's hard to believe like these people are the same species as you and me like it, exactly, it is yeah, bizarre it's so alien yeah. to us because like you think when you're watching something like this geez I'd never do anything mm. like that how could someone do that and you're looking at someone yeah. and they show no emotion it's crazy and you'd wonder now even with the defense team wheeling that out like you'd think they'd have said well I guess then if if your client is directing you you know and they they claim that's the truth what can you do but like as a defense lawyer now you'd be like ah here did I yeah. go to college really to be standing up there saying oh he didn't actually kill her he just happened to find her and thought she was asleep and sexually assaulted her like no I mean really like I think the ridiculousness of his defense as well I just appalled people like on top of everything else like the lack of remorse and just yeah, it was like bullshit that he was still spouting and he obviously like he's, he's never admitted to it you know it's 15 years later um he just you know still maintains that this is what happened so just a really really bad guy but at least the family did get closure thank god well, they get closure to the fact that he's locked up, but like I'm sure they would have liked to hear him say like that he did it. You know what kind of way I say that's a yeah. part of it as well. I uh, imagine yeah. you'd like, want you'd wonder now as he gets older, will he have kind of a change of heart and kind of soften a bit when it comes to stuff like that? But it's hard to say because he does seem like such a monster, really. Yeah, there, there's a a great uh, documentary actually on Netflix. It's a uh, it's called I Am a Killer. And it's uh, it's basically about Ooh, this. It's, uh, it's about people. Haven't watched that, Aoife. Yeah, it's really good. It's uh, basically where these these killers are on like death row, and it goes through their stories, and then you get to make your own decision on like you know whether you think that like they're telling the truth or not. And then they talk to like a relative of like I the person that. who they murdered. Oh, it's really really good. But it's just like people telling their true stories. But like you go kind of like in and out of like different stories so each episode is like a different person's story basically and uh, it's, it's really weird because uh, 
some of them you're kind of like okay this is this all led up to him doing this and it, it's really in depth like it's very good I'll have to check it out and also it's also because it's kind of I suppose it's an interesting perspective because usually we don't hear it from the killer's perspective like thank god but like you know I guess it's a different take on it maybe yeah it is and it's mad because sometimes you're watching it and you're like oh god I feel so sorry for them like oh no I, I believe what they're saying and then it would go, it was just switch to someone else's interview and you're like, oh my God, they were lying. Like, and you just, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't but even think it. The like, scary it's thing is, is that so often, and like, obviously there have been an awful lot of, you know, cases of injustice and people convicted for murders that they didn't commit. And you do think, God, like, would there be anything worse than being convicted for a murder you didn't commit? But so often these killers are so manipulative, like no more than this guy or any of them, like they're, that so often they can manipulate you in a certain way. Oh, it's mad. Like, I, I'm just like, I, I, I find people very hard to read as it is. But like, when someone's like that, like, it's, I just, I just take them at face value. Like, it's terrible. Well, I, yeah, I'm, t- I'm, I'm just gullible.com. Like, you tell me anything and I'm believing it. Like, I am the queen of naivety. I really well, am. Well, you like, did, I'm you did believe bad. that I had no bread and ice and fairness now, Julie. And that's a bit ridiculous. Like, how would you think I brought on my toast? I just take everyone, of, well, I hope you're not buttering the toast with the bread knife. Now, come on. That'd be madness, Aoife. But you're, that, I'm so bad. Is that not what I everybody t- does? Uh, I, I have to, no, I take everything Do you have a fancy So when you said uh, you don't have a bread knife, I was like, yeah, that checks out. Like if Aoife's saying it must be true. But this is why I am not an investigator or a detective of any kind, because I would be fairly shite, to be honest. Oh, Jesus, so do I, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm I'm useless. Aoife, come here, it's been an absolute pleasure. I love you so much. You're a gas woman. Now tell me, you've a couple of things. Uh, your one Nikita, still available on The Real Player, I presume, RT Real Player? Oh, thanks, Julie. Um, yeah, it is. It's on uh, the RT Player, so uh, you can go on and watch it. Like, so the brilliant. Season. It's so funny. Uh, yeah, and sorry, two new episodes out, so we're working on the next few now. Ah, so, uh, brilliant. Hopefully will be out soon. Well, listen, it's just, it's so good. And, you know, it's one of the few things because people are so, I find that people are so quick quick to criticise, you know, TV or, you know, creative stuff in general. I've yet to hear anyone say a bad word about it. People just love it. It's so brilliant. Oh, that's your one. Your one, Nikita, is on the RT player. And then if we want to find you, Aoife, you're on Instagram. Yeah, it's uh, Aoife underscore Dooley on Instagram. Aoife, it's been an absolute pleasure. You're just the best. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thanks so much for asking me, Julie. And stay safe out there. Oh, you too. Chat soon. Thanks chat so you much, Aoife. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.